0: Good morning. Today we will continue with our series to the New Testament book of Matthew. We will look at an astonishing claim that Jesus made that he had the authority to forgive sins. As we will see, the claim was in the context of another claim that Jesus made to be the Messiah, the Son of Man. The Messiah was the anointed one, the one prophesied in the book of Daniel who would come and save the Jewish people. In this passage, Jesus claims to be that one, the promised one. Who would save them, but not from the Romans as they had envisioned, but from the penalty that they would otherwise pay for their sin. Let's read the passage together starting in Matthew chapter 9 verse 1. Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, Get up, take your mat, and go home. Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God who had given such authority to man. Now as we work through this passage, I'm going to be making some reference also to two parallel passages or passages of the same event in the book of Mark and in the book of Luke. Mark chapter 2 and Luke chapter 5. We, we see in those particular passages that there's more detail and so I'll be referring to them as I walk through the book of Matthew or this, this particular passage in Matthew. It says in Matthew chapter 9 verse 1 that Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over and came to his own town. Now It doesn't say specifically which town it is in the book of Matthew, but we find out from the other Gospels that Jesus' own town at this point was Capernaum. Now, you may be not aware of the geography of the Middle East, but if you can see from the map, we have the Sea of Galilee, which is actually a lake, a very large lake. And at the north of that lake, there's a city called Capernaum. You also may be a little surprised to find that Capernaum is referred to as Jesus' own town or hometown. You may recall that he was born in Bethlehem, and you may have properly heard that he grew up in the city of Nazareth, which is east of the Sea of Galilee. But we read in Matthew 9, verse 1, that Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Now, the the background to this is in Mark and Luke, we see that Jesus' own town is referred to as Capernaum. It's on the north side of what is referred to as the Sea of Galilee, which is a a large lake. And it says that um, that is what he considered to be his hometown. We found out in in Matthew 4 that Jesus had, had moved there from Nazareth, where he had grown up, when... He, or after he had been tempted by Satan, and after John the Baptist had been arrested. Right before this particular passage, you may have recalled that Peter was in Capernaum at the house of uh, Peter, the Apostle Peter, and he healed Peter's mother-in-law. And it says, after that particular event, there were many, many crowds that came to the house, and wanted to hear Jesus, and they were, in particular, bringing people to be healed by Jesus. It was at that point that the crowds were so great that Jesus ordered his disciples to leave. He says, we're going to leave, and we're going to go to the other side of the lake. So they left Capernaum, and they went into this area called Decapolis. You may recall on the way to the other side of the lake, they encountered the rough waves, they saw that Jesus calmed the storm. And when they arrived in Decapolis, they saw two men that were demon-possessed. And we heard last week from Mike Dunsmore that these uh, two men were, were healed. They had their demons cast out by Jesus. This is where we are today, where that event has happened. And now they're about to get back in the boat and go back to Capernaum on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. Now, as you might expect, when they arrive back in Capernaum, they once again encountered the crowds that they had left behind before. It says that uh, in, in the other gospels that they uh, went to Jesus went to someone's house. He was uh, teaching, and there were many crowds that came once again to the house in which he was teaching. Perhaps it was uh, Peter's house again. The crowds were so great that when four men brought this paralyzed man who they had on a mat, to that house to be healed by Jesus, they found no way to be able to meet Jesus so that Jesus could heal. So they apparently went around outside the house. There was a, likely a, a set of stairs up to the roof. They took the These four men took the paralyzed man up to the roof, tore open the roof by removing tiles on the roof, and lay, lowered down the man that... They had carried with them that was paralyzed when they had done that it says that Jesus saw their faith the faith of these four men and the person that was on the mat and was clear that they had trusted Jesus in some way we don't exactly know what the extent of their faith or their trust was but at a minimum they believed and trusted that Jesus had the ability to heal their paralyzed friend. Why did they have that faith? Why did they have that trust? Because likely they had seen Jesus heal other people before. Or perhaps they had talked to friends of theirs that had seen Jesus heal before. And because of that they trusted Jesus so that he had the ability. But surprisingly Jesus didn't do at first what they had expected him to do. It says that Jesus' reaction, rather than telling the person to to get up and heal, his first comment was, Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. Why did Jesus tell him his sins were forgiven? Well, perhaps one reason is that he wanted the people that were listening to know that he had the authority to forgive sins. Another answer may be that the paralyzed man had confessed his sin to God, had repented, and has God to forgive him. That's speculation on my part, but I think it's speculation with a foundation. Let me explain why. It wouldn't have been surprising that this man had come to believe that his paralysis had been caused by sins he had committed. You can see from John chapter 9 verses 1 and 2, even Jesus' disciples assume that some kind of illness or disease or disability, was caused by someone's sins. In John 9, 1 through 2, it says, As he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? It was a common assumption in those days that if somebody had something like this, it was because of sin, either their sin or the sin of their parents. And so if you had a man that was paralyzed, we don't know for how long, it wouldn't have been surprising if people had come along and looked at him as if he had done something wrong um, and assumed that he had. Perhaps they asked him, what sin did you commit to be paralyzed? If you were being looked at that way, if you were being asked those kind of questions, it wouldn't surprise me if you would ask yourself that same question. God, what did I do to be paralyzed like this? What sin did I commit? He probably would have searched his soul. He might have uh, acknowledged his sin, confessed his sin, asked God to forgive his sin, repented of what he had done in the hope that he could be healed. And perhaps, if my speculation is correct, this is why Jesus offered him forgiveness and answered his prayer to God for that forgiveness. Now, different people reacted different ways to Jesus' comment. The paralyzed man, when he was heard from Jesus that Jesus had forgiven his sin, may have been astonished and wondered, how is it possible that this person forgives my sins? Maybe he had heard Jesus preach before, possibly, um, and Jesus had indicated he could forgive sins, but this is the first time recorded in Scripture where it seems like Jesus makes that claim. The crowds were probably confused and wondering why and on what authority Jesus claimed to be able to forgive someone else's sins. But it was more uh, uh, an amazement than anything. But the teachers of the law didn't like what they heard. They clearly thought that Jesus was claiming a certain amount of authority that he didn't have. He was assuming, he was claiming rather, to have Authority that they felt that only God could have. Only God could could forgive sins. And consequently, they felt that he was claiming something that he had no authority to claim. One thing they didn't consider, though, was that God had delegated or given the authority to Jesus to forgive sins. That thought never crossed their mind. Jesus, it says, knowing their thoughts... Says, why do you entertain evil thoughts on your hearts or in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. I think in this case, it would have been much easier for Jesus to say, get up and walk, even though it would have been amazing. Jesus had healed many people. But by saying your sins are forgiven, that created a lot of difficulties and controversy for Jesus. They were certainly going to react negatively to what they heard that he was claiming. And then Jesus tells us the reason that he made that statement. He's, the reason that he made the statement, he answers and he says, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority. Has authority on earth to forgive sins. Says, this is why he made that claim, because he wanted to communicate to people that he was the Son of Man, that was the claim he, where he referred to himself as the Son of Man. And the Son of Man was known to be the Messiah, another term for the Messiah. And he wanted the people there to know that as the Messiah, he had authority to do many, many things, including forgiving sins. Now let's look at the the book of Daniel, which records the prophecy about the Son of Man and the authority that was given to him by God as the Messiah. It says in Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 through 14, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, That will not pass away and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. As we have walked through the book of Matthew you may not have realized it but Jesus is making the case and the book of Matthew is making the case that he has all authority as the Messiah. Let me just walk through a few of the claims um, that are made about Jesus in terms of the authority that he had. In Matthew 7 after the Sermon on the Mount. The book of Matthew records that he taught as one with authority. It says, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority, not as their teachers of the law. We see in Matthew 8, the authority Jesus had over sickness. The centurion comes to Jesus on behalf of his servant, and ask that Jesus would heal his servant. And Jesus offers to go with him. But he says, Jesus, it's not necessary because I'm a man under authority and I have people under my authority. And the same with you. So you can just give the command and my servant will be healed. He recognized, this Gentile recognized that Jesus had authority over sickness. We read uh, two weeks ago uh, about the, in fact, when Jesus and his disciples were leaving Capernaum, they went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. It was a very, very furious storm. And Jesus spoke the words, and the storm calmed down. And Jesus' disciples recognized that he had the authority even over nature. It says, the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. We saw last week, Mike Dunsmore was, was talking about the two demon-possessed men that the disciples and Jesus encountered when they went to the other side of, of the Sea of Galilee. The demons themselves recognized the authority that Jesus had. They said, what do you want with us, Son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? And then finally, today, Jesus is making the claim that he has another kind of authority, the authority to forgive sins. He says, I want you to know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He makes that claim. And then we see um, why he did what he did. The other kinds of authority that he showed, whether it's over nature, whether it's over demons, whether it's over sickness, These kinds of things people can see that he has authority over because of the actions he committed. We don't have the ability to see that God, and that Jesus, rather, can forgive sins. And so, because of this, Jesus needed to do a miracle to accredit himself, to to give proof that he could do that as well. We see this concept uh, throughout the Bible, where God provides us with proof that someone is speaking on God's behalf. On the day of Pentecost, Peter said that the miracles, wonders, and signs that God did through Jesus were proof that Jesus was who he said he was. And he had been given authority by God that he claimed he had been given. Jesus is referred to here by Peter, and he says, Fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles. And I think this is the reason why Jesus did the miracle to heal the paralyzed man, it was another demonstration that what he claimed, um, that uh, the fact that he had the ability to forgive sins was was authenticated, was proven by the fact that he was able to raise um, a, up a paralyzed man and, and he could allow that person to walk somebody that otherwise would not be, have been able to, except for the miracle that he did. And then finally in the passage we read that the, those that were in attendance, not the teachers of the law, but the other folks that were in attendance, recognized the authority that Jesus had, and it says they praised God. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat, and go home. And when the man got up and went home, then the, the crowd saw this. They were filled with awe, and they praised God, who had given such authority to men. Again, the point of this passage is to demonstrate that Jesus does have authority all authority, including the authority to forgive sins. There's another authority that's not spoken of in this particular passage or the passages that we've read so far in John, but that's the authority that God has given Jesus to be the judge on the day of judgment. It's in John chapter 5. And he, the Father, has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. We're going to have to stand before Jesus someday to be the judge. And what better thing to stand before a judge who has the ability to forgive us for the disobedience, for the sins that we have committed. I also wanted to compare and contrast what we just read with what we find in the majority religion here in this country. In the Al-Quran, Allah is recorded as having spoken to Muhammad and mentioned to Muhammad that he was forgiving his past and future sins. Unlike Jesus, who was without sin and who had the authority to forgive the sin of other people, Muhammad himself did not. He himself was a sinner, as the Al-Quran says. And even in the the Hadith, um, we read that one of the observers of what Muhammad did and said said that Muhammad used to pray and to God to forgive his sins. He says, forgive my sins that I did, this, did in the past or will do in the future, and also the sins I did in secret or in public. Jesus is, is different. <laughs> he not only didn't sin, but he has the ability to forgive our sins. So as we close, I would encourage you to reflect on the following things and urge you to ask yourself these four questions. Have I acknowledged that I have sinned or disobeyed God, our Creator? If you haven't, I urge you to do so. Have I determined to turn away or repent of my sin? If you haven't, I would do so. Do I believe that Jesus has the authority to forgive my sin? I hope you do. And have I placed my trust in Jesus, who will be my judge and who can forgive my sins? If you haven't already done so, I hope you will. And for those of us that are believers, I'd like to close with this particular passage, which is at the end of the book of Matthew, where Jesus speaks and gives the, the Great Commission. And he refers to the fact that all authority has been given to him in heaven and earth as the Messiah. And because of the fact that he's been given all authority, he has commanded us not suggested to us, but he's commanded us as people that are under his authority to make disciples of all nations. May we do as he has commanded. Let's pray. Father, we we thank you for sending your son. We thank you for the authority that you've given to him as the Messiah, as the Anointed One. We thank you for the sin that you've forgiven for those of us that have asked for your forgiveness they've acknowledged our sin that have repented of our sin we thank you for the forgiveness you provided through your son and we pray for those that are listening or those that are friends of ours our neighbors of ours our co-workers of ours that don't yet know who your son is and the forgiveness that he offers And we ask that you would stir our hearts to convict us of the the need that we have, the responsibility that we have, the commands that you've given to us through Jesus to make disciples of all nations. We pray these things in the name of your Son, the Messiah. Amen.